provision and God just saying here's a little bit of a little bit of this because you gave a yes and that's you know he looks for obedience and not uh, just going through the motions of sacrifice and whatnot so he's looking for a yes um, and he will respond to that so um, so what I want to talk about this morning is just some uh, as we've been the last like weeks and months just using this language of birthing and pushing into the breakthrough in this language we use as as believers that's metaphorical and and I want to bring it down to like okay what does this look like what does it practically look like to be pushing into a breakthrough or to be uh you know birthing something it was funny when Dan was here he was using that like Kale was up here like push push birthing and Dan's like I don't know I'm I'm not into the birthing thing like <laughs> it was hilarious. So, um, just yeah, bringing this down. Like, there's so much, uh, so much language we use that's speaking to the spiritual, and it looks like something in the natural. And I just want to talk about that this morning. What does it look like to be pushing and birthing something in the spirit? Push, uh, breaking into something new. Revival. What does revival look like? What does preparing for revival look like uh, as a believer? So. Um, so, so what are we laboring into? First of all, we're, we're laboring into revival, which is the, the result of decades of prayer um, and laboring in this region for years and years and years. We've had many, many people in our church have been here for years. Uh, Paul and Loreen and Jay and Marie and Stu and Christy and many others have been laboring in this region for years and years, waiting for God to pour out revival again in this in this land, Maine is one of the least uh, uh, least church churched uh, states in the in the in the country. It's very dark here. We're very um, independent and and um, just anti uh, gospel. Really, it's steeped in a lot of tradition. If you go to a lot of churches in Maine, you'll find a lot of just traditional uh legalism and and it's just the reality of how it is here so we're pushing into this this place of breakthrough where we're going to actually be a light to this region and and change things in the spirit as well as manifest that into the into the physical so um and the times we're in like i was saying the the times we're in are such a prime time to be a light um, for the gospel to be a light, it's everything that's happening in, in the world, our nation, this state is so prime for the gospel to shine even brighter. Um, it says in the word that, that the darkness will continue to grow darker, immorality will increase, but that means the gospel and the light will continue to increase to grow brighter. Um, and there will be a harvest of people uh, that come into the church. Um, so... So we're pressing into prayer, <laughs> declaring things over the land. We need to be ready. So what does that look like, right? And the church is the vehicle to gather the harvest. The church is what God's plan, God's plan, right, is what's the scripture, everyone? Ephesians 3.10, right? The church is the plan of God to establish the new humanity in the earth. The church is 
how he decides to do that. He said, we are his witnesses. Acts 1, he says, Will you be go be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Um, and so that's us. That's us to be his witnesses, to spread the gospel, to establish a redeemed humanity in the work, in the world. Um, and Jesus even said, like, it's better that I go so the Holy Spirit can come and fill all of you guys and do the same work that I was doing on the earth. Um, so that's, that's, that's us, the church. We are doing the work of Jesus because we have the Holy Spirit, and now we're his witnesses in the earth. Um, but we must do more than just pray for the harvest, right? We must, we labor in prayer. We labor on Monday nights, on Thursday nights, in the prayer rooms. Uh, but we have to do more than that. We have to partner with the Holy Spirit and order our lives in such a way to receive the harvest. We need to position ourselves uh, to res receive um, people that are broken and hurting, addic addicted, riddled with anxiety, depression. We need to position ourselves uh, in a way where we can receive them into the church um, so that they're filled with the Holy Spirit and they, they continue the work that we're doing as well with us. Um, so how do we look to the world, right? Do we, have, do we have language that will win them to Christ? I've been thinking about this a lot lately, like a defense of our faith. Can we, defends, can we defend our beliefs about abortion? Can we defend our beliefs about the LGBT community? Can we defend our beliefs when it comes to uh, political alignment? Not saying there's a specific party that um, we're supposed to be a part of, but can we defend our beliefs about that? Or do we have language that will win people to Christ? Like, are we able to explain to them in truth and love uh, the, the truth of God, the truth, um, the truth, right? Like, there is the truth that is unchanging. Do we have the language for that um, to graciously uh, love people into this place where they're seeing, where we're adorning the gospel, right? Are we speaking truth and love um, is it abrasive? It, on one hand, we, we can come across like super abrasive, like truth, 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 this is how you need to line up, and blah, blah, blah. And then on the other hand, we have the coddling, right? Are we coddling people in, in, in their lifestyle? Like, oh, we just love you. Like, you can just continue to live how you live, and we just love you. And it's like, no, we need to speak truth, and we need to love people at the same time. So are we walking in that? Are we truly walking uh, in love for other people, but speaking truth at the same time. So uh, those are just a couple things uh, about the church, like uh, just a couple questions. Um, so when we're talking about preparing for harvest, um, we to, to go to the word and say, okay, what does harvest look like practically? The first harvest, right, was Acts 2, the church was established, boom, harvest happened. So... If you want to turn to Acts 2, I'll be reading a little bit out of there. And uh, just a couple things that while they were waiting, uh, waiting for the harvest, they, were, they had leaders were set in place and they were laboring in prayer, right? We have uh, Matthias uh, that was chosen to replace uh, Judas. And, I, and I, just, I was thinking about him. This was such a kind of an incredible little story in there about Matthias, and I was thinking about who this guy was. He does not really mention much in the New Testament after that, but uh, th this guy, it says that he had been 
following Jesus since the time of John the Baptist. So this guy, Matthias, had been a disciple of Jesus his whole ministry. Um, and then when the time came for him, for them to appoint another leader to uh, replace Judas, uh, you know, they cast lots and relied on the Holy Spirit to point out Matthias. And at that time, he stepped into that place of leadership. He gave his yes to the Lord to join the other 11, which was probably like a big deal for this guy, right? He's like, whoa, the 12 apostles. He's like, now he's one of them. So they prayed. They were praying together. In Acts 1.14, it says, uh, with one mind and one purpose, they were continually devoting themselves to prayer, waiting together um, with the women, uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Uh, they appointed this new leader. So they, had, they were doing these things like preparing for for what Jesus said was coming, right? The the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. They appointed another leader, so they were doing all these uh, things, meeting together in the upper room there. And then the Holy Spirit, boom, comes in the upper room. 120 of them were there. The Holy Spirit pours out tongues of fire. Uh, they started speaking in other languages. And then Peter uh, preaches the gospel to unbelievers, right? It wasn't like a sermon and then repeat this prayer after me. It was like the actual gospel message. He preaches out of Joel 2, that the Holy Spirit was going to be poured out on all flesh. Talked about Jesus being crucified, that he was prophesied about. He fulfilled everything, right? The real gospel, we learned this in, in first principles, that it's not just a, a prayer, right? Like, hey, pray this after me and da-da-da. Okay, cool, you're good. Just come to church on Sundays. Um, so it wasn't that, right? It was the full gospel. It was like gosp Jesus was prophesied about. He fulfilled all these things while he was here. Um, you crucified him because um, he was speaking to the Jews, and he rose again, and the Holy Spirit has come, just like he said it would, and these people were cut to the heart, it says, and they were like, what are we to do? So this gospel was full of power that uh, Peter preached. It, was, it cut them to the heart, and they said, what are we to do? Um, and, of course, repentance, baptism, and 3,000 people were added to the church that day. Can you imagine, like, say there were 120 of us in this room here praying, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit comes, and then 3,000, that's double the size of Carmel, just about. There's about 1,500 households in Carmel, so a little more people than that. But So the town of Carmel and a little bit from, like, Etna and Levant and all them, Boom, 3,000 people, right? Not going to fit in this room. So what are we to do? Let's look at the words. So Acts 2.42, um, what were the activities that were happening during harvest? This is what I want to focus in on. What was practically going on during this time where there were 3,000 people brought into the church, and then it says later on that daily the Lord added to their number. So Acts 2, 42 through 47, and they were continually meeting in prayer, falling on their faces, speaking in tongues, and being slain in the spirit. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Oh, that's not what was, I thought that's what revival looked like, right? Everyone just being slain out, speaking in tongues, laughing. We had a little bit of that on Monday night, but uh, that's what revival looks like, right? In a tent? Does it say in a tent? Oh, no, it doesn't. What is it? What is, wait, what does it actually say? 242. Let's see. Oh, okay. They were continually and faithfully devoting themselves to the instruction of the, impossible, instruction of the apostles, 
to fellowship, to eating meals together, and to prayers. Whoa. That sounds pretty, pretty practical. I can do that. Right? Wow. They were continually and faithfully devoting themselves to the instruction of the apostles and to fellowship and to eating meals together and to prayers. A sense of awe was felt by everyone. Many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. Okay, so there are miracles taking place. This is good. Still doesn't say anything about a tent, tent meeting or anything. And all, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> and all those who had believed in Jesus as Savior were together and had all things in common, considering their possessions to belong to the group as a whole, and they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing the proceeds with all the other believers as anyone had need. Day after day they met in the temple area, continuing with one mind and breaking bread in various private homes, and they were eating their meals together with joy and generous hearts, and they were praising God continually and having favor with all the people. And the Lord kept adding to their number daily those who were being saved. So let's break this down a little bit. So we just listened to, we just heard a bunch of practical things that were happening there. And in the midst of that, there were miracles, signs and wonders happening. People were being added to their number. But this is what I want to focus on. Like, what were the practical things that we can be doing to prepare for harvest? So let's break this down. We have being devoted to the instructions being devoted to the instruction of the apostles. Where were they meeting? They were meeting in the temple area, it says. So what does that look like practically for us, right? Are we are we taking the vision that's being cast on Sundays to heart? Are we, are we re-listening to the messages? Are we um, really meditating on those things? Are, are we uh, re-listening? Are we applying those things to our lives? Um, are we going to... Are we taking every opportunity to grow into maturity and doctrine? We have first principles. We have uh, discipleship. Are you reading? Are we studying, growing in knowledge and wisdom? And are we going to be willing to do even more as we grow? Right. This is what we're preparing for. Are we going to be able? Are we going to be willing to stretch ourselves to grow as we offer more opportunities to deepen our understanding in the Word and sound doctrine? Are we going to be willing to do that? It says they were devoted to it. They were devoted to the instruction of the apostles. So that's one thing. That's one thing we can be doing to prepare is, is taking every opportunity where we can grow, we can be instructed by our leaders and devote ourselves to that. So then we have fellowship. This is one we're good at, right? We're good at hanging out. We love hanging out. Um, but do we hang out more than just in the summertime is the question, right? <laughs> so we have June, July, August. We love each other. So September to May, are we fellowshipping? Are we hanging out with one another? Are we building relationship? You know, some, some questions to ask ourselves. Like, am I hanging out with the same people every time I hang out? That's a, that's a tough one. Am I hanging out with the same people over and over and over? Am I being intentional about building relationships? If I'm not being invited out, am I doing the inviting out? Are we always waiting for someone to invite us to, to do something? Are we initiating it if it's not happening? Or are we being offended if someone doesn't invite us out, right? That's, that's a tough one. It's, it's, very e it's a very uh, it's a open a, a door that the enemy uses a lot um, to invite offense in when it comes to 
I see, I've seen it a lot in uh, community when there's, there begins to be groups of people that just can tend to hang out more often, however unintentional. Um, offense can grow there. I've seen it happen. People leaving the church because uh, they feel like they're not included in the, the, cool, the cool group. So are you being unoffendable in that area and initiating hanging out with people or just showing up to open, open door hangouts? So fellowship. We also see they're eating together in, ho- in people's homes with joy and generous hearts. This is the big one. How are we using our homes to prepare for revival? How are we using our homes? Is or do we have open doors in America? Our homes are very private. They're very it's our safe spot, our personal space. Um, you know, it, it's uh, like I was saying when when three thousand people got added to the church, they weren't meeting in that upper room where on the original hundred and twenty were meeting, right? They had to meet somewhere. They were meeting in people's homes, it says. They were not gathered in that one room. They needed homes to gather in. And I hope to God that we come to a place someday where they don't fit in our sanctuary, like Rob was saying. I am looking forward. I mean, if you've ever seen like 60 people in here, it gets pretty packed and questioning the integrity of the joists of the floor. I'm like, we're going to end up in the kids' room, like people jumping up and down. So, Lord, pray pray for stability of this building or give us a new one lord so until we have a new building where are these these people going to meet we're not always going to and like i said sunday this is our vision casting day um for our community this is where we're casting vision where we're going for the community not a lot of instruction happens in this room on sundays and that's intentional uh so that we can be building relationships and doing discipleship outside of community Outside of, uh, sorry, not outside of community. Yeah. Uh, Satan, get behind me. <laughs> My, uh, <laughs> we could be building relationship outside of this room on a Sunday. So how are you using your home? Uh, are we inviting people into our homes to eat together? You're like, okay, well, I don't, I don't have a home. Like, what do I do? I don't, I'm, you know, I don't have a, a big space to, to invite people in. Well, find a home that you know is open and go there and hang out, right? Like our door, open most of the time. Uh, keep it locked at night, so give me a heads up. Uh, you don't want to come into my house unannounced at night. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah, but are you finding a home to hang out in? There's multiple homes. I know our, our home is always open. Stu and Christy, um, I know that they have a, they, you know, most of the time open invite, and, and there's other people that are gaining homes in our community. The Lord is giving people homes in our community. What are we doing with them? Are we, are we making them a space where people can come, fellowship, eat together, break bread? Um, so if the Lord's given you a home, uh, how are you using that for the kingdom? How are you using that for uh, preparing for revival? It's a big question. Um, and eating together. This this scripture in Proverbs is kind of, uh, I just wanted to bring this out. It's Proverbs 23, and you don't need to go there or anything, but the scripture says, uh, Do not eat the bread of a selfish man or desire his delicacies, for as he thinks in his heart, so he is in behavior, one who manipulates. He says to you, eat and drink, Yet his heart 
is not with you, but is begrudging the cost? Are we begrudging the cost of having people over and eating with us? That's a tough one for me. When I got a package of Oreos in the fridge, and I invite people over and they eat it all, this is, uh, this is one thing that actually going to <laughs> other countries with my wife has like really helped me with, because they will, especially in Brazil, they'll like, we'll just use Oreos, have a package of Oreos. Before they even take one, they pass it around, and it could get back to you completely empty. And that's their culture. Is that, like, that's challenging for me. That's very challenging for me. I know, I know, I know. I have, like, my own cabinet in my room. And <laughs> oh, Lord. See, this is, this is hitting me. I'm like, oh, gosh. Am I begrudging the cost of being hospitable? It's so serious. I'm like, my gosh. I don't want to be that guy. It says, do not eat the bread of a selfish man or his Oreos because he's begrudging the cost. Lord. Uh, and then, uh, so we have, yeah, breaking bread together with people in their homes and then prayer. We're really cultivating this in our community. Are we taking uh, advantages of that? We have prayer furnace on Monday night. We have Hop on Thursday night, Bangor House of Prayer. Um, are we taking opportunities to pray together with one another? Is it high priority or low priority? Um, and then do we pray in secret? Are we, are we, do we have a thriving personal relationship with Jesus? Are we praying with him in in the mornings or at nighttime, whenever you whenever you do it, uh, there's corporate prayer, and then you have the your personal prayer life with Jesus. Are you um, just being fed on Sundays, and that's that's your where you get your your spiritual uh, energy for the week? It's like oh, I've got to get fed on that Sunday, or are you spending time throughout the week in prayer with Jesus? Because that's gonna that's a major major. Uh, preparation for revival. We cannot be relying on coming to church on Sunday to get fed and then expecting that revival is going to come and we'll just be good to go. We need to be cultivating that in our hearts throughout the week on a real practical level with, with the Lord, spending time with him um, in our prayer closet. Yeah. And then it says they had all things in common. They were selling property to meet the needs of others. Um, in their time, property was currency. Um, so I'm not necessarily promoting that you sell your house and just give the proceeds to other people or your property or whatever it is. I'm, I'm saying uh, what it's saying is they were being generous. They were being unselfish with what they had as any everyone had needs in, in the body, in the church. They were selling things to meet the uh, needs of other people. So today, most everyone has jobs and, and a source of income where we can sow into other people's lives. And that's when we talk about the money here, when we talk about it, is, is kind of twofold. It's like, one, it's a principle in the Bible to tithe and to give to the Lord what's his, give back what's his. And we really promote that. The other side of that is, as the church, we really want to fund missions. We want to uh, meet the needs of people in our community. Uh, we want to uh, just reach our town and be an influence in our town. And a practical part of that is being able to uh, meet the needs financially for people. So 
Uh, that's a huge um, vision of ours and uh, part of what we are desiring to do and decide to deci the direction we want to go in uh, financially is to just to be a resource center for people. Um, the food pantry is a part of that, being able to be able to provide food for people uh, that can't. So, yeah, so having uh, all things in common, they were selling property to meet the needs of others. So are we being generous? Uh, are we being generous when we can be and when we can't be or just when we can be? That's a big one as well. If uh, Yeah, so challenging to be. Are we, if the Lord tells you to be generous when you just don't have it in your budget, are you still going to say yes, or are you going to withhold? Um, and that's something Dan Lee kind of touched on. Those two last points when he, Dan was here, the two things that determine where your heart is at, right, is your schedule and money. So with both things, your schedule and money, there are things in our schedule, in our budget, that are non-negotiable, right? We all have things that are like, okay, work, like I have to be at work from this time to this time. Like that's not negotiable most of the time. Is that how we look at community? Is that how we look at gathering together? And this is not law. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not promoting uh, legalism or a uh, compulsory... Um, yeah, teaching on gathering together. I'm saying, is it a priority as much as your job is a priority to meet together? Same thing with your money. There are things in our budget. There's things in my budget where that are non-negotiable, right? And are there, am I looking at the kingdom in the same way? Am I looking at uh, tithing the same way? Am I looking at being generous the same way? that being generous is non-negotiable for me. So uh, something we practically did was have, and even this is still like, if the Lord asks us to do more, then that's going to be challenging. But we started setting aside money each month to have a specific category for just giving to other people. And that's something God's been challenging us in, to have money set aside just to give to other people. But there's still times where God's like, no, I... I want money from this other category too, right? And we're like, oh, but Lord, this category specifically is for, and he's like, well, that's meaning, that means you're in control of that money still. And I'm like, oh, you're right, gosh. So schedule and money, are, are there things, these are big ones, and this is for me and everyone alike, I'm sure, are there things in our schedule that are non-negotiable? Are we looking at, community and revival as the same priority level as those things in our schedule that, that, that are, that are non-negotiable. Um, so that's a big challenge. So it all boils down to this main point. Is that revival, preparing for revival and revival looks like community, right? It's really practical. It's gathering ho in homes with one another. It's eating together, fellowshipping with one another, praying together, um, and devoting ourselves to instruction and growing in the word, uh, growing in maturity. Um, so we're really trying to just break the my my comical comments before. We're really just trying to I want to break this mindset that revival looks a certain way. That it looks like a bunch of meetings on a Sunday or night services or whatnot. 
it could absolutely look like that. And there were revivals in the past that looked like people falling out just in repentance, like people walk into a room and they were just slain out. That could very well happen. But what I see in, in Scripture, in Acts, when the very first revival happened, was that they were doing very practical things in community, like eating together, praying together, like I was saying. So we want to break this traditional mindset that it's going to look like a certain way. Um, yeah, so, yeah, breaking that mindset, breaking our tradition of like, oh man, revival is going to look like a bunch of meetings at night. People are going to be just slain out um, and whatnot. So embrace community living with joy and generosity and devoting our, th- in our, our lives to growing in love and truth is really what revi- preparing for revival will look like. And when we have healthy families, we have a healthy church, right? That's what we teach in our first principles groups. Healthy families equals a healthy church. And we have when we have a healthy church, we'll be ready to receive uh, harvest. So, yeah. Do you have anything to add? Cool. Yes. Nice. Ha <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Lord, I just, I pray that you will prepare our hearts, Lord, prepare my heart for what you're asking to prepare for a uh, revival god i i ask that these places that you're you're pointing out lord that you so clearly put in scripture lord that the the first century church were doing when thousands and thousands and thousands were being added to their number lord when you were establishing your church at that time that's what they were doing they were loving one another growing in community by breaking bread together, by eating, hanging out, uh, devoting themselves to teaching and instruction in the word, Lord. I pray that you mature us into that place, God. I pray that you break traditional mindsets that are not of you, Lord. I just, I thank you that you can do whatever you want to do, Lord, and however revival is going to look like, however you want it to look like, Lord, that's how it's going to happen. And I just pray that we would be open and receptive to your spirit, God, when that when that happens, Lord, and prepare us, Lord, prepare us for revival, prepare us for what's coming, God, as we push, Lord, as we push into this place, Lord, and awaiting uh, this birthing that you're doing in in this region, God, this birthing of revival, this birthing of uh, your spirit b- being outpoured, poured out on this region, Lord, we thank you that you're doing that and I just pray again that you prepare us God prepare our hearts Lord in Jesus name.